Okay, so last week, not last week, three weeks ago, when I was here last, what did, do you remember what we talked about? Salt. salt. You guys are good. So we talked about how we are the salt of the earth, and I just got so much out of it. I just enjoyed that study. Um, but that wasn't all. I was supposed to talk about salt and light, but there was just too much, and I ran out of time. So, I, so today we're going to start with light, and we're still going to do what I'm supposed to do today by the grace of God. Okay, today we're talking about you, we, are the light of the world, right? You were created to shine. That's what light does, right? Light shines into the darkness. Okay, so memory verse from three weeks ago was, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Verse 15, oh, Matthew 5, verse 15 says, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, we're commanded to let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. And we talked three weeks ago how we're not saved by works, but because we're saved, we will have good works to show others. Um, yeah, so a few months back, we did a series on Jesus and what he claimed when he said about himself, I am. And this is one, a name, this is the only name that I could find that was, that we shared with Jesus. I mean, we're sons, he's a son, but Jesus said in uh, John 8, uh, verse 12 says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. That life is Jesus. So uh, Jesus is referred to as the light of the world or as light over 30 times, specifically as light, and much more than that kind of indirectly. But over 30 times, Jesus is referred to as the light of the world. So Jesus is, Jesus is God's son, right? S-O-N. Jesus is like the S-U-N son of the Father. Because Jesus, whose light does Jesus, did Jesus come to the earth with? He came with the Father's light, right? So he's like the S-U-N. Um, he shines the light of the Father on the world for the world to see him, and then he points to the Father. That's what Jesus does. We reflect, we reflect the light of of the S-O-N, the sun, Jesus. So we're kind of like the moon, right? The, the moon doesn't create its own light, right? What does the moon reflect? The light of the sun. And that's what we do. We reflect the light of the son of God, and he points to our Father in heaven. Um, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to point to Jesus, who points to the Father, and it all works good. God is glorified in us, in you, through his son, who's now living in you, radiating, radiating his light through you. Uh, John 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. It says, all things were made by him, and was not anything made that was not, that has been made in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Then it tells us what the light does. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not 
overcome it. The darkness will not overcome it. The darkness cannot overcome it. The darkness does not have that power. King James says the darkness has not comprehended it, right? It doesn't understand it. I was in the back trying to make friends with Aurora. That baby's tough, y'all. Like last week, I was down there trying to get her to nursery, and she just looked at me like she was not comprehending me. And I was like, that's how the world looks at us sometimes. They don't understand what we have. <laughs> looked at the darkness and does not be overtaken by it. Has anybody ever been in total darkness? Like, it's hard around here because we've got, like, street lights and stuff like that. I remember going to Alaska, where Jane lived for a long time. Um, I was in Alaska and in Mexico and probably Nigeria. And those places where there are not the big cities and the natural light is, like, it is dark. And I remember, like, when you're in total darkness, it does take a lot of light to light up, right? And it's like, and that's what, that's what, that's what we are. We live in a time when Christians are talking about how dark the world is and how it's just getting darker and darker. And I got to tell you, it excites me a little bit. Because what stands out more? When does light stand out more? When it's darker or when it's daylight? Like I could light a match when it's dark in here and you, it'll, it'll light up most of the room where you can see. But... Right now, I could light a match. You wouldn't even notice it. So we should be excited a little bit, or, or at least be ready for more opportunity to share Christ's love and his light when it's total darkness. I like to visit, I guess as much as you can, like to visit people in the hospital. When people go to the hospital, I feel called to go visit them, cheer them up, bring them something, whatever. Um, I've spent the last I don't know, four or five weeks visiting a lot in Bassett, um, the mental health ward. And it's really kind of sad there. Um, so when you go there, you kind of say what you're doing, and then if they you know, find grace with you, they'll let you in. You walk upstairs or take the elevator, and then you um, push the button, and they come out, and they'll see if they want to let you in on that ward. It's like very secure and stuff. So I do that. I walk in. The second week, maybe it was the third week, one of them, I walked in and this little old lady, little whatever, she was a lady, and she's like, can you come back every week? And I was, I was like, uh, maybe. She goes, can you come every day? She goes, I don't know what it is, but you bring something with you. I said, one word, two syllables, and he loves you more than you will ever know. Jesus. That's all I did. And then I went on, and I visited who I was there to visit, and then someone else, and then someone else, and then someone And like, legit, last week I walked in, there were like five people. Now, they're there because they're hurting. They're there because there's something not going on quite right with them. They're depressed, they're suicidal, whatever it is. But what an opportunity to be able to go in there carrying the light of Jesus, right? I went in there four weeks ago. No, my, whatever. Last week it was. And um, it was later than you're supposed to be go there. 
So I walked in and most of the time, you know, the doors are locked, but they weren't locked. So I took that as an opportunity, right? Like the Holy Spirit, like let people out of prison in the Bible. He let me into prison. So I walked in and I, I don't take the elevator. I walked upstairs. I buzzed the door and they come out a little confused. I'm like, hey, and I just walked in and they're like, okay. And he's like, the guy was like, um, do you have a mask? I'm like, no, there weren't any downstairs. Can you grab me one? And he's like, yeah. So he goes, he comes back, and then another lady comes around, and it's probably 9 o'clock at night. And, and she was like, who, who are you? And I'm like, I'm Dennis, who are you? And she was like, well, how, 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 how did you get in here? And I was like, I walked. And she's like, but you're not supposed to be here. And I'm like, oh, okay. I said there was no one at the front, and I just came up. I was like, I didn't really know there were um, times for pastors. She's like, oh, are you that pastor? I I heard of that. You can stay. I was like, really? And I just walked in. It was a great time of ministry because we're not here just to get by, right? We're here to help others. We're here to carry the light, to show the light. Um, Yeah. Uh, Isaiah 60, verse 1. Um, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness... Oh, sounds like it's going to get real scary, guys. Brace yourself. Darkness shall cover the earth, and the thick darkness over all the people. But we're not afraid, right? Because we are carrying the light that the world needs to see. Amen? When we are faced with this darkness, we're to keep shining. The world will see it. They will see you. Let them see Jesus in you. Because I promise you, they will and they need it. Let's show them love. Let's show them his forgiveness. Let's show them compassion, his mercy and his grace. Let's show the world all that Jesus has shown us. Because I got to tell you, he really is living in you. And he really wants to come out for you to show everyone. There's more. But the Lord will rise upon... I'm going to go back because that's good. I've got to read it without stopping. Arise, shine, for your light has come. That's Jesus. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness over the people. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. And then it says, all nations will come to your light. Why do you shine? Why has God entrusted us to shine his light so that all nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising? That's prophetic. That is a promise. That is what you were created to do. We got to shine, guys. We are the light that the world needs. You were created to shine the light of Jesus in this lost and dark world. How do we shine the light of the Father? How do we know what to do? 
we do it by walking hand in hand with the Holy Spirit, right? He lives and dwells in us every day. He is always with us. He will never leave you, never forsake you. He is always there. Let him guide your steps like the lamp that guides your steps. He wants to show you the next step to take. We've just got to listen. He will light up your steps if you ask him. So go shine Jesus wherever you go. Amen? Now that was three weeks ago. Now we're going to skip to today. Moving right along. Welcome, church. This memories verse for this week. Does anyone know what we're talking about today? I don't know how I got this one. Yeah. I was, we were worshiping, and I was like, we're worshiping, and I'm like, the worship team is really good. Like, they're talented at, at picking songs that go with the topic. Notice nobody, we didn't sing any song about lust today. I was thinking that maybe I was not, not on the right day. But what we did sing was the opposite. We sung about the perfect love of the Father, right? And how his love is for us, and how we should be. And once I realized that, I was really convicted, guys, I gotta tell you. But, good job. Um, because we're, we are created to love exactly like our Heavenly Father loves us, right? Except what happened? That stinking devil, he always perverts the things that are most important, right? You know, we, we are supposed to love like Christ, but he perverted it and tries to make it dirty and not the way that God intended it. He always cre perverts what God created for his glory. So, this week's memory is 1 John 2.15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. The love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its, its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Does anybody want to live forever? That's a promise. Today we are talking about lust. Yay, me. Monday's devotional told us what lust is, in case anybody was wondering. The dictionary's definition of lust, lust is intense and unrestrained sexual craving or an overwhelming desire or craving. Lust is essentially to crave something. Lust is essentially to crave something usually associated with worldly desires of sexual intent or material possessions that does not consider the value of people or God. When I was, when I was studying and, and preparing, I thought, that's exactly what lust does. It doesn't consider what other people think or how they feel. It doesn't consider what God, it is totally taking what we're called, love the Lord your God and love people. First two, the two greatest commandments and saying, okay, I'm just going to take those, put those aside to fulfill my desires, right? That's bad. 
It's um, crave something usually associated with worldly desires that does not consider the value of people or God at its center. Lust has at its focus gratifying oneself, only thinking of myself. And it often leads to toxic actions to fulfill one's desires. I didn't write often because I can't, I don't know when it doesn't. I think it always leads to toxic actions to fulfill one's desires with no consideration to the consequences. Lust springs forth from selfishness and greed. Can we see why John speaks so harshly against it? You know who else spoke against lust? Jesus. There were a whole bunch of them. But Jesus. We went through the Beatitudes, and then we talked about salt and light and the law, and now we are into Matthew 5, verse 27. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. So what we have going on here is you've got the religious people that walked around. Um, They were acting like they were fulfilling and doing each and every law that Moses had, the laws of Moses, right? They were miserable because deep down they knew they weren't doing what they were supposed to be. They weren't doing all of them, right? So do you know how many laws of Moses there are? How much? 613 is what Kai came up with. But there's an awful lot of them. She gets an award for that. That's pretty darn good. Most people think that there are 10, right? Yeah, the Ten Commandments. And then you put in all the like dietary laws and the clothing laws and all the laws upon the laws, and you're like 613. And they were pretending that they were following all of them, being saying, like, you should be like me, right? They were miserable deep down because they knew that they were not doing it. That is why I need a savior. His name is Jesus. But they did not know, they didn't know that, right? Oh, here, you could tell, you could tell who they were just by looking at them, right? They used to be called the miserable UCs. And then they shortened it to the Sadducees. Good job. We love you, Pastor Don. Okay, that was my Pastor Don. Okay, so you have these people walking around telling them, and then what happened? That was perfect, guys. And then what happened? Jesus steps on the scene, right? And kind of started messing with them, and they were getting uncomfortable because they were saying, which is true, the only way to the Father is to keep every single law. Except they were like, They added, like us, but we know that you can't do it because the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But they were like, you got to be like us. Jesus is like, no. So they didn't appreciate being told that either because Jesus did not, oh, Jesus did not just come to save people from hell, right? Jesus did come to save people from hell, but he didn't just come to save people from hell. Because he says that I have come that you might have life, which is the saving people from hell part, I think. But he also said that you might have life more abundantly. That's 
And I think that is being, being, Jesus coming for life is being saved from hell. Jesus coming and giving us life more abundantly is bringing heaven to earth now. I think that's what Jesus came for. And that's, that's what it is. He came so that he could, we could help others be restored to the Father, right? Jesus came to restore us to the Father. That's life. But he came to, so that we could help others be restored to the Father. Because you're not just called to stay out of hell. You're called for a purpose created by the God of the universe to bring him glory, right? Like, I don't know how much glory it brings God to save us from, being, from hell. I mean, it brings him glory because it's what we were created for. But it brings him, I think, a lot more glory when he sees his children telling his children about Jesus and then it going on and on and on. He came that we might have life and more abundantly. Uh, Matthew 5, verse 27. Let's go back there. You heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Because Jesus always like takes and he adds more, right? He like, he like, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, don't commit adultery. That's one of the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments are easier than some of the other laws, right? Like, it's pretty easy for me not to kill someone most days. <laughs> like, it's pretty easy for me. The, the Ten Commandments seem easier than, you know, wearing threads that are, like, sewn together. Because I didn't make it, you know? So, but yeah. So, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I have said to you, anyone that looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery in their heart. So you've got these Sadducees, these, these, these people walking around, the religious people saying, ah, I haven't killed anyone today. I haven't committed adultery. And Jesus is like, yeah. Mm. But did you look at someone? Like you weren't supposed to? It's the same thing in my eyes. You've already committed adultery with her in your heart. If your eye causes you to sin... Tear it out and throw it away, for it is better for you to lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go to hell. Is lust a big deal? Yeah. Is it important Jesus to Jesus? Yeah. Is it bigger than Jesus? Nope, not even close. But he says it is such a big, it is such a big deal that if you can't control it, if you can't conquer it, you're better to pluck your eyeball out and chop your hand off. That's pretty intense. That, mm, that's not the most intense thing that Jesus said, but it's one of the most intense things that Jesus said, how many of the people that were listening were like, yo, dog, I am out of here, yo, this dude's crazy, right? You know what else Jesus did not say? He didn't say, ah, don't worry about it. Everyone's doing it. He didn't say that. 
Nor does he say, don't even try to overcome it, because you can't. He didn't say it. You know why he didn't say it? Because he gave us the power to overcome it. See, God never tells us to do something that he doesn't also give us the way to do it and empower us with the Holy Spirit to do it, right? And, and, and when, when we're confronted, like last week when Amy talked about anger, oh my gosh, when we're confronted like that, there is so much more grace available to just be like, reach out and grab it. Because Jesus made the way. He has already made the way and given us the power. So keep your eyeballs, keep your hands, but fight, right? We're going to fight. Repent, confess, fight. Um, if you are struggling, and this doesn't just go for lust. Like if you're struggling in something that you recognize as not being from God and you don't want it, repent, confess, fight. Greater is he that is in you than the spirit of lust, I got to tell you. Like, lust a lot of times seems pretty powerful, but it's not compared to the one who's living in us. There, is, there are two sides of lust. There's a spiritual side, um, and then there's a killing the old man aspect of it. There are, there's a side that does need to be dealt with spiritually. Like, there is a spirit of lust that, like, Wants to kill you, steal from you, destroy your marriage, destroy your relationships. And then there's also part of it that, that we just need to crucify the old man sometimes every day, right? So we just have to acknowledge it. Um, repenting is metanoia. That's the word. And it means to align your thoughts with God. Like, so God says lusting is bad. So we need to first repent of that and at least think that lusting is bad, right? Because a lot of, we live in a day and age, they'll tell you, there are, I mean, I've heard Christian leaders say, it's not bad. Like, what? Because, for crying out loud, everyone's doing it. We live in a day, we, we read about it earlier, it's getting really dark out there, guys. But we're to align our thoughts. When what God says is bad, we say is bad. And, and acknowledging that most of the time is a pretty big step. And then confess, I don't know why, but we live in a day and age where we want to keep all of our problems to ourselves. But the Bible says that there is no sin except that which is common to every man, right? So you're not alone. There is help. Confess, repent. Um, I, 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 I don't know. I talked to so many different groups of people, but I think this was in youth group. I, I was talking about how the Catholic Church, the thing that I think that they do best is confession. Right? I mean, there are people that rail on confession and whatever, and I'm like, the Bible says to confess your sins one to another that you might be made whole. Right? Jesus healed people. He said you were made whole. 
why would we not want to be made whole, right? There is a power that is on us that wants to try to keep you from confessing. But when you confess, it like, it's like the power is gone. I remember a time, I'll be honest with you, I used to struggle in this area. Um, and there was one point that I remember where um, I was on my computer at my, at my work and I was doing the end of the day stuff, so it was just me, and I pumped, punched on my computer to go to something, and I, I did, uh, the, the website was the wrong website. And it brought me to these three ladies who were naked. And they wanted me to go back to their site and check them out. And I was tempted. But then you know what I did? I called my wife. I said, hey, there's these three girls. They don't have any clothes on. And they want me to go back to their site. So when I get home, say, hey, how'd you do? Okay, I got work to do. Guess what left the moment I hung up the phone? All temptation was gone. It was like it no longer had a hold on me. So I get home, and I'm like, hey, you got something to ask me? She's like, no. I was like, I just called you. You were supposed to ask me. She's like, oh. I'm like, fine, never mind. I didn't go back, whatever. Like, repent, acknowledging that it has sinned and tell God that you're sorry and you want to change, right? Wanting to change is important and having somebody. So when you confess, when temptation comes, call the person that you confess to. Text them. It's really easy now. Text them. Say, hey, I used to be a part of like when I was a kid, an accountability group. And, you know, we would come in and we'd say, hey, how you doing? <laughs> and that didn't mean, how's your day going? It was like, you being good? And we knew what it was and it kept us in check and it was good. Confession is good. Confession and repentance, I think, are the biggest part of the battle, honestly. I really do. And then fight when tempted. But don't fight alone. You don't have to fight alone, right? Jesus is there. Text your buddy. Crucify the old man. Put him, sometimes we've got to continually put the old man back up on the cross, right? That is where the old man belongs. Dead on the cross because you're now a new creation. You have his life flowing in you and through you and with you. Can I tell you, I don't really like talking about things that Christians are not supposed to be doing, right? I'd much rather talk about what we're supposed to be doing. So we're not supposed to be lusting, yeah. So we're gonna go on to Colossians 3, verse 1. And this is what we were singing about today, this morning. Um, Colossians 3, verse 1. If then 
you have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. What he is saying is, put to death that which was born into you when you were born into sin through Adam, right? Remember, that's not what you were created for. You were created before sin. You were created to be like it was before Adam and Eve sinned, right? To walk with God every day, have a conversation, eat whatever fruit you wanted, just not that one. That's what he's talking about here. But that's the old man, the one that's crucified. Nah, now we're the new creation. Put to death sexual immorality, verse 5, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. It's it's putting something, taking away. We're we're taking away. We're not thinking about God. We're not thinking about others. We're taking away that. That's what idolatry is. It's putting something else in God's place. Verse 6, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. That is why we would be better off plucking, cutting. Verse 7, in these you too once walked. Because before Christ, we were slaves to sin, right? We had no choice except to sin. That was our old man's nature. But because of Christ, he changed our DNA. He whipped up a new self. And now we're back to the way it was when he first created us. Verse 8, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. The old self, the old man, comes with things that the old man does. We're told to crucify him, get rid of him, put them off. And put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, this is what, see, we're not supposed to love because that's taking, that's, that's, that's putting all the attention, that's everything on us. That's not what you're called to do. You're called to have, be holy and beloved, have compassionate hearts. What would happen if we walked out on the street with compassionate hearts to the lost, right? Like, like if you know, we just read that the old man comes with things that the old man does, right? The old man, what we see on the streets, that's what we used to be before Christ. Now we're supposed to walk in compassion 
with compassionate hearts for the lost. Because we're the light. It's combining three weeks ago and now. Um, but put on then, then as God's chosen ones, verse 12 still, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. Above all, put on, above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Above all these things, put on Christ, because he is love, and show Christ and his love, because it binds everything in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. Okay. <laughs> I almost got real bad real fast. <laughs> okay. Um, we're called to live for Jesus. We're called to show Jesus, right? And then when we do all of that, we can be the light that's set up on top of the hill on the hills of Oneonta on the hills of Wells Bridge, hills of Franklin, Davenport. What other hills do we have around here? Worcester. Lawrence, Worcester, the hills of Unadilla. We can be the light wherever we are planted, right? And we can let our light shine before others, so that they might see our good works made possible only through the blood of Jesus Christ. And then we'll be able to they'll get glory to our Father who is in heaven. Amen? That's what we're called to do, to be light, so others can see God. God, I thank you so much that you've called us. You've called us with a purpose. God, I thank you that you've created us for a task. God, I thank you that you've, you've shared your light with us and you've given them to dwell in us so that we can show others your son. God, help us, help us be the example that you want us to be. God, Holy Spirit, just nudge us every time we do something that we're not supposed to do. Show us the way that we're supposed to go. And God, I just pray for favor. I pray for grace. 
Thank you for your mercy right now as we, um, as we repent of areas that we've missed. I just pray that you continue to, to, to pour out your love. I know you will. Your love and forgiveness in Jesus' name. Amen. If you, Amy, last week had, um, this is pretty heavy. I mean, anger, we talked about lust and everything. We're just going to um, open up a time of prayer. I mean, if you need to go to the altar, you can do that. And then we're going to just transition after, you know, a couple minutes of something into um, communion. So we're just going to give you a, a time to do what you got to do.